What a way to start off a vision day, right? Great, great gospel for that. I'm, I'm making a joke there. That's it's not well set up for this. The reason why I picked this weekend, right, is because we are going to be kicking off our Stewardship of Treasure campaign starting next week. So Stewardship of Treasure, what that means is basically uh, the process by which we pledge and we give our resources materially to the parish to help fund the mission and what the Holy Spirit's doing for us here on Queen Anne. I also want to just welcome any visitors and give you a caveat. So first off, if you're visiting here, you're just maybe one-off or whatever— I hope that something in this vision strikes your heart. I understand that it may not be correspondent to what you're living in the moment. That being said, I pray to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit, to move you and to move your heart, to be open to it. And the reason why, like I said, I'm doing this votive mass of Holy Spirit is because I'm asking for our hearts to be open today. So first off, for the annual report, I just want to go, what is the annual report? The annual report is simply a method of transparency for the parish to understand how we're doing. Now, because of the fact that our printer broke down this week, we are unfortunately did not have it published. That being said, it will be coming out this, this week, and you will, be have, uh, you will be able to see all the financials and all the different stats. For the but I do want to highlight them today, right, to see what was happening over this past year. First off, around stewardship, I really want to be able just to simply say thank you, right? So thank you. Why? Because 65% of the households, registered households of the parish give. 65%. Most parishes in the diocese are lucky if they hit 30%. They're, we're, they're lucky if they hit 30%. Usually there's like one or two people that like bankroll the whole thing, and everyone else is just super passive, right? That's not you. So I just want to thank you for your fidelity. Thank you for your fidelity to being able to give to the Lord your resources and surrender and trust. As far as finances are concerned, one of the things that's most interesting is, to me at least, is that we we had a $12,000 deficit. We came in the red by $12,000. Now, when you're taking in somewhere north of $740,000, right, for revenue, that's pretty great, right? So basically, we're doing well. Money is being stewarded well. Also, what have we been experiencing over this year as far as events and movements, right? First off, we have a new principal, Heidi Austin, right, as our new principal. She was hired, right, after Mary's retirement. We had this beautiful retirement party where we got to see this beautiful communion and belonging to each other, cross-generational belonging, with each other in that retirement party. And Mary's still in her presence. She's usually at the five. The other thing that was really important is that I became your pastor. I'm no longer hired help, right? So, and I'm very happy about that. And again, we got to have a cross-generational experience, right, of communion and belonging because of Jesus. Our normal mass counts, average mass counts over the last year was 250 people. Now, one thing I do want to point out is that from before COVID, that's down 200 people, right? So we're about somewhere close to half of our normal attendance from pre-COVID. Many people have not returned. And in that context, we also have not seen a return to many different ministries or ministers that were helping the parish and 
really build the parish according to the Spirit from before COVID. So what does that mean? That means that we are in a rebuilding phase. Now, rebuilding, what does that mean? Most parishes in the diocese, I just want to give this context, is experiencing exactly the same thing that we are experiencing, a rebuilding, right? I want to make a clear difference here. There's a difference between returning and rebuilding. Returning is pressing the button, the same button saying, what happened before needs to happen again. That's maybe too much of a simplistic understanding of what it means to rebuild. Rebuilding means that there's new life. There's a new motivation. There's a new spirit about things, right? The Lord has been moving us. So rebuilding is a different endeavor that is built on the former foundation, right? The foundation is the same, but it's a new endeavor. And that's what we're experiencing today with me casting vision. So with that, I just want to launch into this. And I want to launch into this with a question. Have you ever asked yourself why you're here? Why you're here, St. Anne's. The question of why you're here is important, right? We come from different backgrounds. Another, another question you could ask is, why have I stayed? Maybe I was born and baptized at this parish. Why have I stayed? Or if I moved here from another place, which many of us have, why did I come here in the first place? These different experiences, these different or, like, original experiences, are caused by one thing, the movement of the Lord, the movement of the Lord's Spirit, His heart speaking to you. We are all here because something is in us is asking a question. We are looking, looking for something. So we are here for a reason. Something has happened to us. Something is happening to us. Or at least we are aware that something is meant to happen to us. And this something, this happening that we're looking for, that we're wanting, is a someone. It's a someone. The one thing necessary is a someone. And that's Jesus. Knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus Christ, true God and true man, the Savior, present, is what we're looking for, is what we're desiring, what we're hoping for, what we're wanting more of, wanting more relationship with him. We all have this desire, and that's where I come in. As a pastor, as a priest, my job is to awaken that desire in you, if it has not been awakened, and to clarify it, and encourage it, and incubate it, and blow life into it, if you already have. And this is the point of all Christian vocation, actually. It's not just my job. It's our job. You are all baptized, or at least most of you are. And what does baptism mean? Baptism means, for example, when I baptize somebody, there's this part where I say, where I anoint them in the, as priest, prophet, and king. What does that mean? It means that all of you, in your baptism and in your confirmation, have this ability to order reality according to Jesus. Meaning like how you love, how you exist, how you ask questions, how you pray. 
All these different things actually reorient your reality according to the heart of Jesus. In other words, we are, you and myself are co-workers, co-workers in the vineyard of the Lord. And so what I have a deep desire in is that you come into the desire that I see already in your hearts. That you allow me to cast a vision and come into this desire that I see in you and that I also share. This desire for him. To put it simply, I want you to be able to walk outside and to walk in your life and in your heart or even verbally yell and cry out, Christ, you are the life of my life. You are the life of my life. So in order to facilitate this desire that's in you, the desire that's in me, welcoming you into my own desire as well, as a pastor, I need to cast vision. To facilitate this encounter with the Lord, I need to cast vision. Why? This isn't anything new. You've heard me preaching about this for three years. You see me doing certain actions. This isn't anything new. This is near to my lips constantly. This new vision and mission for the parish responds to the needs of the current reality that's residing in your hearts. And also, the current reality that's residing in the hearts of all those on this hill. On this hill. Pope Francis, in one of his part of his vision for the whole church, for the whole church, is that we are able to look outside. What does that mean, to look at the peripheries? To look outside means to be on mission. When we are working together, co-working together, we actually receive health. We stop focusing on ourselves in certain ways. We work together, we build relationship with the Lord because we're with him on the journey. And the archbishop as well, and casting vision for the whole diocese, can be, he wants us to be able to go out and proclaim the gospel. And so the vision that I'm about to cast right now is no different. It's in symphony with those. It's a further iteration or particularization of that vision for the universal church and for the church of all the archdiocese. So what is the new vision and mission? Simply this, to help parishioners encounter Christ and to grow in friendship with him so that they can experience deeper conversion and freedom. To help parishioners encounter Christ and grow in friendship with him so that they can experience deeper conversion and freedom. Why do I name it that way? What does that have to do with the periphery? Because the periphery is all around us. The periphery has come very close, very close to us. The periphery can be seen in the school, it can be seen in the people that we don't see anymore. The periphery is close. We have to be able to claim our baptism, claim our adoption in the Lord. We have to encounter the Lord and receive this new humanity. This encounter with Christ is the answer to what you are desiring to what we desire as humans. And a growth in friendship with him 
reorients all of my life. I come into deeper places of happiness and peace and joy because I see his love for me, his love for me that changes all of me. I come into places of repentance where I recognize that I don't trust him, maybe, or there's places in my heart that I haven't trusted him and that he's asking me to trust him in a new and a particular way. So I come into repentance. And from this friendship and this new trust because of his love, I experience human freedom, human freedom, human joy, human fulfillment. I become radically new. That's what Jesus wants. That's Jesus' mission in the world. So, with this new mission of helping us encounter Christ and grow in friendship with him to experience deeper conversion and freedom, what are the, maybe the goals or the orienting posts that we can look at? What are the, what are the goals? There's three goals. Maturation of faith. Our faith goes deeper, and I'll explain that. Spiritual leadership development, that we are able to understand that we can help shepherd other people. And finally, a growth in capacity for friendship and community. Growth in capacity for friendship and community. So let me describe these a little bit. Maturation of faith. What does that mean? It means that I am able to live in my life and see his presence. That actually he becomes the definition of my life. That all the other things that I orient my life around, I put aside, not in a rejection of their goodness, because they are good, whether it be career or even family. Not because they're bad, they're good. But they also are not sufficient to answer my heart in themselves. They're actually meant to be signposts of his love. They're supposed to awaken in me love, and desire for him and fulfillment. And so a mature faith means that Jesus is the center of all of my decision-making, that his love for me is the thing that orients even my decisions, whether it be how I spend my money, how I spend my time, how I love. A faith is mature when it recognizes that its identity is him and his love. What is spiritual leadership development? Spiritual leadership development simply means this, that out of that identity of love, of recognizing that he prefers me, that he's chosen me out of love, just sheer love, not because I proved it to him, but because I exist, he and he made me. And as I accept that, and I gain this new humanity, I actually gain a human capacity to be a shepherd of other people. There are two kinds of shepherds. There are ordained shepherds, and there are lay shepherds. Two kinds of shepherds. One orders the whole. That's me. That's why I have a sacrament called holy orders, because I order the body. And then there's lay shepherds, the lay priesthood, because you have a capacity. You have a capacity to be the church in somebody else's life, to be the heartbeat of Jesus in somebody's life. You are Jesus with skin on him. You are a leader. You are a leader. You orient reality. And the last one, growth and capacity for friendship and community. When Jesus becomes the center, and I actually gain a capacity to shepherd others 
according to his love, what happens? Actual friendship. Friendship is not friendship if it's only oriented around common interests. Friendship is not friendship if it's just using each other. Those aren't friendships. True friendship, Christian friendship, friendship of the heart, is when I am able to see the other's good and affirm that above my own. When I see your good, when I see your destiny, and I affirm that above my own, that your good is my good, that you experiencing love and blessing and joy and peace is the thing that begins to make me happy. That's friendship. That's what a parish is supposed to be. And this develops community, communio, living together, being together, being able to share from the depth of our heart. What are you suffering through? What are you living? What are you avoiding? Where is your joy that no one else sees? Where is your hope that no one else sees? Let me, let's talk about it. Let's bring it into prayer. Why is that important for the world? Why is that important for Queen Anne? Why is it important for these two zip codes, which have 80,000 people in them, and we only have 250 people at Mass on a weekend? Why is that important? Because how can you, as a person on the outside, verify that Jesus is real? How can we know that he is real? How can we know that he still exists, that he's alive? It's because of the church. The church, his body, Jesus' mission has a church. Jesus' presence is the church. So you, through your flesh, through your relationship and your friendships, you have a capacity to invite people in to encounter him. The church is a primary place of encounter of this new and radical presence. The church is a primary place of a new and radical presence that changes all of humanity. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? What's our primary vectors of approach, as it were? Two priorities. Small groups and youth. Small groups and youth. Why is that important to name those? First off, small groups. Continual, concrete, actual friendship where somebody else sees my life and loves me in my lived experience and helps me see him becomes a massive attractor. It helps me verify Christ. I can't live my faith alone. I said this a couple weeks ago. There is no such thing as a private faith. There is no such thing as a private faith. There is a personal faith, but there's never a private faith. Personal means interpersonal as well. Personal means interpersonal. Personal means social. Personal means communal. I need people in my life to help me see him. I need Jesus to have skin on him. And this becomes a massive attractor for other people. What come into my friendship? Come into my friendship. Let me meet my friends. Meet the people who reveal Jesus to me, whose Jesus is in who point me to him, come to them. And as far as youth, why is that important? 
Where does the word tradition come from? It comes from the Latin word to hand on. The youth, as a cliche puts it, is our future. Youth is our future. If we don't have a capacity through our sacramental programming, through the experiences that we afford for children at the school and for children in public schools, in all these different ways, we don't have a capacity of handing on Christ and bringing by the hand our young ones into an awareness of him at their pace, according to the developmental level, we are doing a disservice to Jesus and his mission. The youth is important. The youth is important. Even during our synod, one of the things that did not get brought up in the synod listening sessions was an emphasis on youth. Did not come up. We need to have this emphasis on youth. So that's a challenge point that I have for us. Youth through our sacramental programs. So how do we get there with these goals, this mission, these goals, and this priority? What's going to be the change? What's going to be the change? This is going to have a concrete change to the parish. I just want to point out that I've already begun to seed some of these changes. You've seen them with Alpha, seen with some of the small groups that are already happening. They're very fruitful. We're already training small group leaders currently. We have a 24-hour adoration chapel. There's already changes that I've been making, but what are the new changes that I really need to propose, these structural changes? In orienting us to the mission, I have needed a new kind of help. I need a new kind of help. I have introduced a new leadership body to the parish called a Parish Leadership Team, or PLT for short. The PLT's role is to help me in leadership of the parish as a whole and to help me execute that vision. The PLT helps me execute vision. It's a leadership body. It's not an advisory council. It's a leadership body. We meet weekly, and we help assess and pray over the various aspects of ministry that is happening at the parish in this moment and what may need to happen. And we take feedback and input to help pray through decisions. The members of the team are made up of parishioners and some staff. The members of the team are Tennille, Mike Thacker, and Jean Hushebeck. Furthermore, the PLT is a leadership body that will be giving and give vision and direction to both the pastoral and the finance councils. The finance council is also shifting in its mission. The finance council mission and vision is having an additional role given to it. Development. Development. What does that mean? The Finance Council's primary role, foundational role, that will not change is accountability and transparency to make sure that our resources that you provide out of the goodness of your experience and your heart are going to be stewarded appropriately and well. That's not going away. But what's being added onto it is this development piece, meaning how do we fund the mission? How do we fund the mission? We can't simply go into our bank statements and our spreadsheets and say, what do we cut out? We actually have to ask the question, how do we develop and fund? How do we give material resource to the mission? The Pastoral Council is also being revisioned, but it will remain an advisory body 
that helps the PLT receive input and information about the spiritual health of the parish. And I mentioned at the very beginning of all this, we're in this rebuilding phase. Rebuilding phase. And I need a new kind of help. The last change that I want to announce is this. In order to help bring this rebuilding aspect, all oriented around the mission, this new mission for the parish, I need a a new kind of help in the staff structure. So I've reorganized the staff organizational structure. And with this new vision and the concrete effects that need to come from it on the staff and on our goals, I need a new position to help me execute that. I need a new position to help me vision and orient staff. And I can't, and why is that? I can't do this alone. I have particular gifts and I have particular weaknesses. Welcome to the club. Everyone's got gifts and weaknesses. We're not, you know, we can't do it alone. And I need a compliment. I need a compliment to my own gifts. I need a compliment to my own gifts. And also, I need to be able to have somebody help me execute in that way. Help me execute and order. And that helps in the rebuilding phase, whether it's sacraments, liturgical experience, school, and these new priorities that I'm naming. I need somebody to help me in this rebuilding process. So, in consultation with the PLT and with some other key parishioners, I have developed a new executive staff position titled Director of Parish Operations. This position, which we are already in the process of receiving, receiving applicants for, is meant to help me with that executing of the vision and in the rebuilding of the different ministries in the parish. So simply to conclude, how do you participate in this? There's two ways. One, openness to the new mission and the, and the new things and some of the old things that are coming back but coming back in a new way, an openness to them, an openness. I desire your participation. I desire your participation. Allow yourself to be hungry. Allow yourself to experience need, whether it be in the form of Alpha or a small group or a particular offering like with Ron's series. Allow yourself to experience need, participate, Then also ask yourself the question, how is it that I can give my life for the good of the whole? How can I be a spiritual leader? How can I allow my faith to develop more deeply? How can I allow myself to become more of a true friend? And the other way is this. I need your concrete material help. Concrete material help. I mentioned before that we are very faithful here in our stewardship. 65% of households. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So my concrete ask for the Stewardship of Treasure campaign, which starts next week, and I'll say I'll be preaching more about that, our concrete material ask is a 20% increase in giving. So I don't know how many of us have looked at what our giving is uh, this year. It's okay if you haven't, you know. But I would ask you to look at it, and I would ask you to please increase your giving by 20%. So what does that mean? What does that concretely look like? The average gift for the parish pledge is $133 per month. So, if I was asking for a 20% increase, it'd be like 30 bucks, 
per month, 163. If you're giving, for example, at the level of $2,000 a month, I'd ask you to give $400 extra a month to increase our giving by 20% because this helps fund the vision and the rebuilding that we need to be able to go through and the reorientation of the parish around the mission of the Holy Spirit and what he's asking for St. Anne's and Queen Anne. So once again, I'm asking for a 20% increase in giving. My friends, I want to f- just end this all by recalling something that I preached on in my very first homily here at St. Anne's. On July 1st, 2019, I somehow remember my own homilies. I don't know how that works, but I do. Simply this. And I think it's, it really speaks to how the Lord's been moving. There was this parable from the early church or this experience from the early church in Egypt, in the Nubian desert, where there are these monks, right, and these hermits living together, living with the Lord. And one was named Abba Lot, and the other one was named Abba Joseph. Abba Lot went to see Abba Joseph, and Abba Joseph was the elder. He says, Abba, Abba Joseph, as much as I am able, I practice a small rule, a little fasting, some prayer and meditation, and I remain quiet, And as much as possible, I keep my thoughts clean. What else should I do to have life? What else should I do? Then the old man, Abba Joseph, stood up and stretched out his hands towards heaven. And his fingers became like ten torches of fire. And he said, why not be turned into fire? Why not be turned into fire? What the Lord is wanting for us here at St. Anne is that we be turned into fire. We become a light for the rest of the hill to attract people into love and the fiery passion of the Lord. We may be small numerically, but we are not small in heart, especially because of Jesus. We share in the power of God, the power of Jesus present, his church. And by his grace, we are not small in our potential or our material resources. We can orient ourselves and surrender ourselves to Christ, the love of the Father, Christ, the power of God, we can expect growth. We can expect growth. So my friends, in order to set ourselves up for growth, I ask that we become fire.